This is Original Six. I don't have an intro today. It's the Original Six podcast. Ryan Savine, Paul Ananitis, but Paul knows Zach today. He's decided to leave us hanging. Yeah, he's a busy, busy boy today. That's unfortunately. I I vow that the next time one of us is missing, we have to substitute them with someone of the same name. So, for example, if I'm missing, Brian Reynolds could take my spot. Nice. And then if Zach's missing, Zach Galifianakis can take a spot. Yes. And if you're First missing... First Zach that popped into my head. I can't think of a Paul Marner. Paul. <laughs> is that Mitch Marner's dad? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know his dad's name? Everyone knows knows his dad's name. I wouldn't have known that. I know Matthews' his dad's name and Willie. Famous well, Willie's Pauls. yes, because Willie's yes, because his dad was in the NHL. Michael, I forgot yeah. Austin's dad's name. Mm, Brian. Brian. Paul Rudd could replace you. I just have to look up famous Pauls. No, Paul Marner. That's the only replacement I want. Paul McCartney. Paul Giamatti. That would be fun. Ooh. I like it. Very cool. Well, there's a lot of them. Famous Pauls. Hey, you're up there, too. You're the most famous of them all. Thank you. Thank you. You're the most famous Paul in my contact. Thanks, man. You're the most famous Ryan in mine. I don't know if I believe that. There's quite a few of us out there. Uh, no, I think you're the only one. <laughs> wow. I feel so special. Uh, thank you to those of us joining. If you are new to the podcast, make sure to follow, subscribe, check us out. Um, stick along for the ride. Uh, if you are returning, thank you once again for being back. You know, the drill, all that jazz. Let's get into it. A pretty short episode here today. Only two games on the ticket this past week, plus All-Star Weekend incoming, so the Leafs don't actually play again for, God, like a week today. I'll be at the draft tomorrow. Yeah, a week today. So it'll be a bit of a weird week, but you have All-Star festivities and all of that stuff happening. So without further ado, let's get into the week in review. Review. Oh, I like that. I am the most famous Ryan after that. <laughs> uh, like that. Let's uh, let's start with the first of two games against the Jets. Uh, the first one was the home game for the Leafs. Lineup stuff coming into this one. Samsonov getting the start. That was his going to be his first set of consecutive starts for a long time, having come off the Winnipeg game. What were your thoughts, Paul, just on him getting the start here again rather than Keith going back to Jones? Um, I mean, I didn't mind it. I think he had a great game before, so might as well ride the hot hand and, and let Samsonov get another test because I think we were talking about just that, that one game against Seattle. Like he played fantastic for sure. It's just, it was a short, it was just a small, like, um, yeah, not, not many shots or high chances against. Exactly. So we, we, so might as well give him another test against a, one of the hottest teams in the NHL and, and, and see what he can do. And boy, did he deliver. Yeah. He was incredible because we played like crap for half the game. That that is very true. I mean, we've spoken about it right until wall comes back. And the other layer of that is comes back and is at full form. 
you have to try to get Samson off back to where he was. I don't know if he'll ever be back to where he was last season, but the mm-hmm. shades of, you know, the actual NHL starting goalie, right? Because yep. as good as Martin Jones has been, how reliable is that? You know, he's on the older side. We've seen his play sort of come back to life the last couple of weeks. And obviously you need to figure out what you have in Samsonov. But uh, putting a goose egg on the board against the Jets is always a good sign. Before we kind of dive more in, Giordano not in the lineup again as Timmons draws in. Uh, and for this game, Bertuzzi was away from the team. So Holmberg up on the second line. As you mentioned, the first period was awful. They were heavily oh, outshot. They couldn't generate any uh, offensive chances, own zone no. turnovers. I mean, they were very lucky to get out of that period tied at zero. Yeah, I think we were outshot like 18 to four or 16 to four, something like that. Yeah, it was just a horrible period to watch. It was, it was, yeah, probably the bad. worst period of hockey I've seen this year. And when we said to give Samson up another test, boy, was that one of them. Yeah, he he had to come up big there for sure. Yeah, he just looking at the did. shots were sixteen four in the first yep. period of the Jets. Oh the my! Jets. Yeah, that looked, that like... So they they caught up mm-hmm. in shots the rest of the game. But again, like we, we've spoken about this all season, it's not a recipe for success. You're not going to win many games when you come out that flat footed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, story for the rest of the game was the Leafs' power play. Some adversity finally <sighs> makes. Some sort of change. The first Leafs power play came in the second. It was god awful. Then on the <laughs> like they couldn't enter the zone. The drop pass was like it was like everything that made the Leafs power play good. I was, think Winnipeg had more shots on our power. It wouldn't surprise me, mm-hmm. right? Samsonov had the the two on O where he came up huge. So the second power play for the Leafs, Keith puts out the second unit, and then even when the change comes, Matthews, Marner, Nylander don't see any power play time. They didn't score, but the second unit came out again for the third power play of the game. Yeah, um, That was kind of the catalyst for change, in my opinion, along with Robertson, who started the third period on the second line with Tavares and Nylander. He played well in the third into overtime, where he sort of began the play, uh, where he fed the puck to Riley, who got it to Matthews, who, who did the rest. Um, yeah, But we've been saying for ages that... You know, we look at guys like Nyes and Bertuzzi, you throw in Yarncroak, mm-hmm. um, you can throw in Holmberg. You know, there just hasn't been maintained success on that left wing. And we've been calling to give Robertson a chance. I don't know why now of all times, Keith puts Robertson up there and actually gives him a chance to, to impact the game. But it, I mean, it worked. Yeah. I didn't mind the decision with what Keith did because obviously when the first line was on, as you said, they did absolutely nothing. They let a 2-1-0. So when we go back to Keith saying he wants to discipline defensive like live, like defensive mistakes, he definitely did. Obviously, you don't expect the second line to do what the first line can do. But with what the first line showed throughout the game, I don't think they really deserve to be on the power play for, for the, for the next couple times. And it was nice to see the changes, but obviously they didn't work that game, which is surprising because if I'm not mistaken, statistically Winnipeg is a very bad penalty kill, right? Yeah. I remember they were talking about during the game, how 
you know, given their all power of their play. success, their special teams is not it at least hasn't been a huge contributor to their success this season. Yes. Imagine it did though. Yeah, then they'd be in trouble. But uh worth noting, uh Robertson played over seventeen minutes in this one. Yeah, I saw him a lot actually. He played very well. I, I don't know what... why we don't just keep him in the lineup. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll talk about some of the injuries and stuff kind of moving forward, but I, I feel like given his success, you if you're Sheldon Keefe, you really have no choice but to keep playing him at this point. Yeah, for sure. Ride the hot hand, as we've said. I want to say 17 was his most time on ice. I think they the did season. say that. Yeah, I think a, they did say that after shot. the game. By a mile, yeah. Yeah. Because I don't remember help him getting more than like 14. He dropped back to 12, but... Yeah. It's up and down. What do you... What do you make of the message sending by Keith, you know, on the, the power play stuff? I mean, they, they were talking about it on the broadcast, like really the only power a coach has over a player is his time on ice, right? And and yep. the opportunities he gets. And, you know, I, I could see a world where, you know, we've talked about whether or not Keith should be the coach of this team moving forward. That's kind of a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. But I, I do see a world where, you know, Big ego players, nothing against them, like Matthews and and Nylander, and you could maybe throw Marner in there, could take problem with Keith not putting them out there for the power play. Yeah, of course they'll be pissed off about it because, you know, they're Matthews, Marner, like they're very good offensively. Our power play statistically over the last who knows how long with them has been top 10. So yeah, it'll it'll definitely piss them off. But the difference is, I think they should realize why this happened. If they didn't, that there's an issue. But I'm I guarantee you, they understood why because of what happened the first power play. Like you let in a you let a two on zero on the power play, and Keith has been saying the last week or two weeks that he wants to discipline defensive mistakes, especially big ones. Yeah, that was a and big he one. Find, yeah, and he that's definitely the biggest one that we've seen for who knows how long. So. As much as we don't want to see them not be on the power play, I didn't mind the message that Keith was sending because he has to live up to it or the players won't take him seriously because, like, the depth players and the second liners will be like, oh, well, Keith said this, but he never does it. So, like, doesn't matter if the first power play unit does bad. We're not going to get any time. I agree. I also think, you know, the other side of that is – I, I'm like I, I think I heard it spoken about, but I wonder if players outside of, you know, the core four and Riley. Yeah. I wonder if those players feel like that the rules never really applied to those big guys until now. Like yes. it's almost nice to see that no matter who you are, you know, like we've spoken about, everyone has different roles, different expectations. But if you're not living up to those expectations, there's gonna be consequences. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's good message message sending by Keith, who over the years we've criticized for not doing enough of these things. Yep. And yeah, I liked it. I didn't mind it. I know our power play went 0 for 5, but at the end of the day, we did win. We came back in shots. We we definitely, you know, thank goodness we didn't play that whole game like the first period, or else we probably would have lost 18 nothing. And true. I think after they, after they got benched, they really picked it up. 
Yeah, it was it was unfortunate that they couldn't get the power play going this game, albeit they went over three in the second period. So probably not a great recipe for power play success. But no. um, the next game, however, we'll kind of talk about later in the game how the special teams sort of came to life. Yeah. Uh, so again, this one now in Winnipeg a few days later. Uh, some lineup changes to note. Yarn Croak is announced to be week to week and McMahon placed on the mm-hmm. IR. So that means fan favorite Ryan Reeves draws back into the lineup. That was kind of the story heading into this one, along with the fact that for the third game in a row, Ilya Samsonov will be guarding the pipes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, credit to Samsonov, played very well in all three of his recent games. Yeah, fantastic. He just looks so much more confident. His puck handling is great. His ability to not, you know, be out of position, you can tell. His composure. His composure has been unbelievable. Like, when we would watch him at the beginning, like, he was way out of his net, way out of his crease. So he looks more confident, more composed, more relaxed. And I think that him playing like this, is a very, very good sign. Thank goodness. This is what we all wanted, and hopefully he can continue. Um, but yeah. there's not much you can say when he's playing this well that you've got to continue to play him until something. Yeah. And you you can only hope that his confidence continues to build because, you know, we, we, we talked about over the years with Campbell. It, it's, mm-hmm. you know, for goalies, and like Zach said, I think last week, it's such an isolating position. But yes. if your play takes a hit and then your confidence takes a hit, it's just going to snowball. Right. So exactly. You know, we've, we've heard the clips from the interviews of Samsonov, you know, being emotional after the fans kind of got back and supported him. So he hopefully that, that can be, uh, you know, a positive moving forward, but back to the game specifically, uh, it felt like the other game jets take an early lead this time with the momentum, yep. um, mm-hmm. but credit to the Leafs, And I guess, specifically Gregor and Reeves, who set up yeah. Reeves' goal uh, to respond, which I just think is incredibly ironic because Reeves That's so funny since some early December. Um, and then after that point, we had a goal by Bertuzzi that was called off because, of course, it was, and Bertuzzi... That was so con- That was so dumb because Edmonton scored the exact same goal like three days before where I think Hyman got pushed into the goalie and they scored... And they called it because they said he got pushed into it. And with Willie, you can easily, you can so obviously tell that he got cross-checked twice in the Hellebuck. Yeah. And it never interfered with Hellebuck's play because right because he didn't know where the puck was. It was a scramble and right to Bertuzzi, so it didn't matter. And somehow they called it off. Like I yeah, think was, every analyst weird. and panelist and former NHLer have said, All "How was that called off?" Like, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, whoever you and want the to say. rare, incorrect coaching coaches challenge by yeah. Keith that resulted in a, a power play of the way. Obviously, we've spoken about his, you know, him and the videos team's accuracy and success rate. You know, well, with to be these fair, challenges, that been... yeah, for sure. Uh, but you know, thankfully, it didn't hinder the Leafs' uh, ability to you know kind of move forward in this game. Mm-hmm. And then, as we said, the special teams finally got to work. They finally took advantage of timely. Power play opportunities. Um, what do we have here? Tavares gets a power play goal, ending his slump. And then Thank Matthews goodness. gets a power play goal, which was his 40th of the season, which is the marker from last year. 
So mm -hmm. just put into perspective how good this season has been for him. And I mean, truly the icing on the cake here is that Simone Benoit scores his <laughs> first as a Leaf on a 195-foot empty, empty net goal. Imagine placing a bet that Reeves and Benoit would score in the same game. I think you'd be able to buy MLSE. Probably. Put down like 10 bucks, you're walking away with like a few hundred grand. You know what's funny? I was actually going to put a bet on Reeves scoring because he came back and I didn't. See, that's, that's the kind of storyline that would happen for a team when they play Toronto. Exactly. Exactly. Like I'm trying to think of an example. Like, if Corey Perry hadn't been able to come back to the NHL for another, like, three months, and mm -hmm. then he signs and plays his first game back against the Leafs... Oh, you're betting he's scoring two. 100%, right? Like, that's the kind of storyline that happens against Toronto. Um, it, it's funny. After the Benoit goal, I think my only real criticism with the game is that they let the Jets get that last one. I know it's not a huge Yeah, that was annoying. Deal. In the grand scheme of things, you know, they played well. They put themselves in a position to the point where it didn't matter. But, like, just mm -hmm. hold on for the last few minutes. Like, just don't take your yeah. foot off the gas. I Like, you could credit the Jets for just not going away quietly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's some animosity, physicality in both of these Winnipeg games. But um, that really, that's my only criticism. But at the end of the day, a game where they played well, had good goaltending, took advantage of timely power plays. Yep. Can't really complain. No, it was and I think and credit to Reeves, definitely his best game as a leaf by far. Yeah. And it was nice to see that he played like why we signed him. Like the goal was just a bonus. I think all around he he when he was on, he was creating scoring opportunities with Gregor. He wasn't a liability defensively. He was throwing the body around, getting in scrums. He got into that scuffle with Ehlers. Like that's that was the stuff hilarious. that hilarious. So funny because like, like, what are you doing hitting Reeves after he hits you? Like, you know, I was he's gonna get... uh, I was watching the game with my girlfriend, and she's asking me why. Like during that moment, why is Reeves laughing? And I said, because look at we him. All know that Nikolai Ehlers wants nothing to do with him. But Reeves is just begging him to drop the gloves. Like, yeah. come on, show me what you got. Yeah, because he's because Reeves hit him, and then he pushed him after. So, like, you think Reeves is just gonna not take, like, just gonna walk away? No, I think when he turned around and saw it was Ehlers, he just started laughing. Like, if you see the height difference, the weight difference, like the the like the I guess it's a, like a weight class, but just the yeah, you just you just know it's like heavyweight versus lightweight. Yeah, or featherweight or whatever is at the bottom. I don't want. Yeah, whatever the, the boxing term is. Yeah, uh, nine thirty three for Reeves ice time that game. You think that's a good amount for him? Yeah, for how well he played. Yeah, because before he was only playing like three four minutes a game. Yeah, and at that point, you know, you might as well just put someone else in. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you gonna do with someone on the bench playing four minutes out of a sixty minute hockey game? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so when we look at these two games as a whole, obviously the numbers for the power play aren't great, two for eight, but that comes with an 0 for five in the first game. So you just hope that the power play is on an upward trajectory here, kind of moving forward. Um, yep. But you know what? Six for six on the penalty kill against a Jets team who, you know, without Shifley, without Morris, even parts of a game, they still have offensive weapons. You know, mm -hmm. you said that they're not great special teams wise, but, you know, that's a building block 
for the Leafs moving forward. It, it's something to be happy about, at least kind of moving past the All-Star break. Yeah, exactly. Because the Leafs' penalty kill has been atrocious this year. And as you said, Winnipeg's power play was not great, but that was definitely an opportunity for them to get something going on the special teams because of how bad we've been. And they had yeah, I don't think many opportunities. Yeah. Like the, the, the Leafs had them out of the zone for a majority of the time. So it was nice to see because it gives us a confidence boost against a good team. Yeah, 100%. Um, so kind of looking at things at a glance, uh, they go obviously 2-0-0 on the week. Now 25-14-8 on the season, good enough for 58 points. Uh, but for the first time in what feels like a long time, we're not uh, in a divisional playoff spot. The Leafs now sit in the first Eastern Conference wildcard spot with 58 points. We they also are... have three games in hand on Tampa, though, who's one point ahead of us. This is true. This is true. But um, still. And three three wins in a row, to the Leafs' credit, against you know a Winnipeg team who has been very dominant the past couple months and mm-hmm. a, a, a not-so-shabby Kraken team as well. Who just got um, shut out, I think, by San Jose yesterday. Yeah, you see it was uh, Merzlikens' first shutout in over two years. Wow. Yeah, I just read that online somewhere. I think that was the Columbus game, right? Yeah. Yeah, because they won one nothing. What a boring day of hockey yesterday. Honestly, the one game happening or two games. One nothing game, Columbus St. Louis, and then a two nothing game, San Jose Seattle. Brutal. Good games. Good days for the goaltenders. Good game for defense. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> um, so I mean standing wise it's really hard to tell given that there's not going to be a lot of movement over the next Mm. little while, given that the all-star break is this weekend, you know, the Leafs don't play for another week. Um, But like, it's just not a good place to be. And the fact that, you know, we're, we're only six points up on the Islanders who are just out of the playoff picture, you know, obviously I think the Leafs are, or in theory should be better than where they are, but, at the same time, we've talked about how relatively poor they've been this year. So it, it's just kind of, you know, I hope everyone involved sees that. And that's, you know, one of the contributing factors to the wake up call. Yeah. Says, you know, like if we're, if we're not careful, there's, there's no playoffs are not a guarantee by any. Oh, means. never. No matter how good we are regular season wise. Like, as you said here, if the playoffs started today, we'd be playing Boston. That's a scary and fact. And we would get slapped around. But but here let let's just for argument's sake. Mm-hmm. That, that that statement is true. If us and the Lightning, who are in third in the Atlantic, were to swap positions, you play get Florida the Panthers in the first round. I don't know if that's any better. No, probably not. Both are terrible. This is why we need the first place position to get a better matchup. Yeah, but at this point, but it's, it's not at happening. this point, I don't think it's gonna happen because thirteen the way points Boston's the been playing the way Boston's been playing all year and Florida, it's very unlikely that they're gonna have a big losing skid while we have a big winning streak. It's just very unlikely. Yeah. It's Basically the be Bruins. I mean the Bruins are like Damn, they're 31, 9, and 9. They haven't yeah, even man. lost 10 regulation games. Nope. Nine OT losses? Yeah, pretty surprising. More than us. That's crazy. Yeah, Ooh. they would they would essentially have to play 
500 hockey from here on out, and we would probably no, have we'd to have to play like 750. Like, no, I mean minimum. the Bruins would have to play 500 hockey. I know, and then we would have to play like yeah, 750, 800 hockey. win percent. Yeah, something that's not going to happen like that. No. Uh, okay, a couple kind of discussion points here for the two of us before we kind of move things on. I see Jack has Jack, Zach has joined. Oh, he has joined the Zoom. Zach? Zach has joined the Zoom. He was just on our wow. document. So he maybe came we'll from, get... He came from work. Let's see. He's joining mid-podcast. Look at this. He can't hear us. Okay, now he can hear us. The pause. Zachary. The suspense. There he is. Wow. Hello. Look who decided to show up. He had FOMO. I I did. I I did. I I knew I knew it was coming. I knew that you guys were recording and despite it all I made I jumped over hills and valleys to get here. So out of boy, we, we love, love the, the commitment. We love the hustle. Uh just in time to kind of uh talk about some stuff going on with the Leafs before we head into the week ahead. So first one up here, you know, now that the Leafs have won three games in a row, do we think there's do we think this team has finally turned a corner? Uh, is it too soon to tell? Were they kind of just weird games where you haven't really figured everything out? Or does it really seem like it's it's an upward trajectory from here? Zach, I'll start with you. Uh, it's too soon to tell. I think it's been such a an up and down season. And I feel like every every season with the Leafs is up and down. It's very much just an absolute roller coaster all the time. So... But this season just seems like it's even more so to the max. So for me, it's like I I need to see more of this consistently. I can't say after, you know, two good games of hockey that, oh, the teams, they've turned it around. Whereas, you know, two weeks ago, we were talking about fire everyone and trade everyone. And, you know, so, yeah, definitely need a long stretch of consistent hockey. Yep. For sure. I agree because those the three wins, I mean, we had a good game against Seattle. We got bailed out by Samson of the last two games, having like a really bad start in the first one. The last game I'll say was, was definitely a great game all around. Yeah, it was a good team game. So as Zach said, I still think it's a little too soon to tell because the Leafs have still had their, you know, not starting off well. The power play was bad. So, like, their usual stuff. So, I think it'll be... I think it'll be the right time to tell is if we play, like, a full 60 minutes and, and nothing and, like, very minimal mistakes. Yeah. We seem to still be waiting for, you know, the wake-up call where... Yep. This is the reset we need. Let's move forward from here. We thought maybe it was going to be New Year's because, you know, yep. January started off pretty well with the mm-hmm. California road trip, but we digressed from there. So hopefully, you know, the momentum from these three games, the All-Star break, you know, the Mai Tais by the beach for everyone except the guys going to the All-Star game, you know, hopefully <laughs> that's the turning point. Um, yep. But I'll tell you what, the six points in the last three games are pretty damn helpful in terms of the standing. So Oh, yeah, we, we uh, take those. You take what we can get. Obviously, we've spoken about goaltending 
a ton this season, given it's probably been the most storied goaltending that the Leafs have had in, in any given year. But do yeah. they have no choice but to ride Ilya Samsonov's momentum at this point? I mean, Zach, Paul and I were talking about the decision to give Samsonov three starts in a row rather than going back to Jones in any of these points, you know, um, Wall's, you know, injury status, his return is is looming and pending, but it's still uncertain. So is it just a ride Samsonov's momentum until otherwise? I think so. It's it's kind of unfortunate that this is coming at the All-Star break for Samsonov yeah. specifically. Yeah. I feel like he's just been, the confidence level is unreal high right now. Uh, he's been playing lights out. Uh, which is fantastic to see. And I think it's been kind of amazing. I don't know about you guys, but like definitely heartwarming to see like his reaction to the fans reaction, especially in the game against Winnipeg um, in Toronto. And so, yeah, it's a tough time to, to see. I think you still need to try and ride Samsonov as much as you can. Uh, I think he definitely gets the first start off the all-star break. Should anything change, even if wall comes back, or is like healthy enough to play. I think you stick with Samsonov for now uh, and see how it goes. It's, it's tough because I feel so uncertain and like um, borderline anxious about like the goaltending situation, because it's like, he could play great. He could play bad. There's just such a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of feeling going on with Samsonov, but I think you gotta, you gotta ride with him. Yep. We said the same thing with Martin Jones when he was playing really well. And there's not much you can really do in this situation because Samsonov has been unreal. If you rest him, it might take away from his momentum. As Zach said, it's unfortunate that it had to happen now with the All-Star break. But you got to give him that first game because he already has this momentum, this confidence. He knows the fans were behind him the last game. So... I think he's starting to really feel like he's back to himself and back with the team. So yeah, you got you yeah. got to ride the the momentum for Samsonov. And I, with with no knowledge about the situation, I feel like the players want to succeed the most for Samsonov out of the goal. Exactly. Just because exactly. like funny kind of character guy, uh, in the dressing room. I'll tell you who does appreciate the All Star break is definitely Joseph Wall. You know, give him some more time to catch up yep. to everyone else, but. You know, here's the situation with him, too, is that, sure, he played well in his limited playing time and, and amount of games, but there's no guarantee that when he comes back, he is a, able to, you know, be an everyday starting goalie, just given the injury management, and let alone getting back to the level of play where we saw him in that week before he went down with injury. Yeah. So part of me thinks that if and when he does come back, that the Leafs will almost have no choice but to keep all three goalies with the team rather than sending one of them down. Obviously, probably not going to send down Samsonov again if he continues to play well. And the risk of losing Jones when there are so many question marks is probably yeah. too great as well. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. So, Yeah, it's so it's a tough situation to be in. And like... Like I've said before, it wouldn't surprise me personally if like Wall gets sent down just as like a here's a warm up. Yeah, like the condition extent at the very least and then see what's going on. Um, Maybe there's a trade that happens. I don't know if you try and like. I doubt it. I doubt I doubt there's a goalie based trade until you know what you have. 
which is the tough situation is you don't know what you have. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And then you have like what, what goalies are available, right? Like it's a, it's a losing. We game. don't have much time to figure out what we have either. So it's like yeah. a, a, it's a high risk, high reward, yeah. I guess. We do have, what we do know is that we didn't know about some injuries that came out of relatively nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yarn Coke and McMahon apparently both banged up. Um, so they're both going to miss some time. Given those injuries, are Holmberg and Reeves mainstays in the lineup at this point? I mean, it seems like Holmberg already was. But yeah. now that Reeves is back, salary cap, you know, finagling considered, do we have no choice but to ride, you know, and play Reeves? I guess until he plays poorly enough for Keith to say that's it. I think so, because you can't have... Reeves come back after being out for so long, have a great game last game, scoring a goal, and then just benching him again. Like, that's not going to be good for his momentum, for his confidence, or anything. So you got to give him a couple more games to see if he continues to play like that. And if he doesn't, then you can then you can bench him if you want. But with McMahon injured and Yarn Croak, I don't see many other options. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, uh, the thing for Reeves's play with me is that I don't care that he scored the goal. It's great. Like I'm happy you score goals. I'm never going to be sad that one of our players is scoring, but at the same time, like that's not what I wanted from him. And I, I saw in the game against Winnipeg, what I wanted from him, which was hitting, being an intimidator, not taking a penalty, but also like pissing off Ehlers enough to like distract him from the plate. Like that's perfect. If he can continue to consistently do that, I don't care if he doesn't score the rest of the season. Sure. Can he, does that mean he's going to stay in the lineup as a mainstay? I don't know about that, but you know, if he can keep his level of play up and like actually provide to the team in this way, like for me, he, he stays in and for me, he starts, he's in the lineup until he proves otherwise. Totally. And then after that point, I guess you look down the depth charts if you need to, until injuries sort themselves out, but it might not be a bad idea to see what you have in some of the young guys currently with the Marlies, you know, We've seen guys like Steve and Abruzzizi over the years. And that's, you know, that's what, what you said, Paul. Like, that's the interesting one is Kiefer Bellows, who 32 points in 31 games with the Marlies. You know, he's been we've fantastic. Steve and Abruzzizi with the Leafs over the last couple of years. This is, you know, mystery box. You don't quite know what you're going to get, but definitely might be worth a shot there. Uh, last on the docket here before we wrap up. Uh, trade deadline look ahead to correct me if I'm wrong it, it kind of feels like at this point whether or not the Leafs or to what extent are buyers or sellers you know, kind of leading up to and at the trade deadline it's solely dependent on how they play leading up to it more so than ever right if yep. this team doesn't figure it out and it's not looking good you know we'll probably be some sort of like a conservative seller at the deadline but if they can show that they can play games and stick with the big guns and that getting some, you know, assets, some, you know, another bottom six forward who can score, you know, a top four defenseman, like we've said every year for the past decade, you know, Jacob they Chikram. have to, they have to show that they deserve it. And I think their play more than ever will determine what true living does. Yep. hundred percent. What do you it's guys, gonna be interesting. Guys, I mean, obviously, you want the Leafs to play well from here on out, but what do you, 
foresee what what would your kind of path be at this point looking ahead at the trade deadline i i mean no matter how well we play i still think we got to be buyers because we've seen what can happen with this team and it's never a bad thing to bring in some extra help like depth forwards top four defensemen something that can elevate our game um, I don't think we'll be much of sellers depending on what we can get back, but I think we'll be predominantly buyers in the trade deadline, no matter what we do. I think we'll, we're going to be limited buyers. I'll say, I'll say limited. I don't think we're going to be sellers per se. Uh, the only thing I could ever see us selling is like Klingberg's contract or something like that to get Not cap even. space. Like, well, you wouldn't need it, right? He's on LTIR. That okay, true. So someone like maybe Reeves, I don't know. Like that's the only thing I could see them selling. For no, but me, let's. I mean, like let's say you know they're on the outside looking in from a playoff spot, and it doesn't seem like they're gonna figure it out. You know, I could see them moving on. Maybe not from Bertuzzi and Domi because potentially you want to resign guys like that. Maybe you ship out a guy like Gregor, who's probably gonna want to get paid next year. Um, whether or not we're buyers and sellers, I wouldn't be mad if they shift Brody mm-hmm. on a on a big contract. You know, get something for him, considering you either aren't going to want to sign him next year or that cap is going to have to come down. So, I don't know. That's that's where my head's at. Yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like it's so in flux this year. Like the last few years, we've known like okay, what this is what we want, and this is what. And well, in that case, Dubis should go and get. But now it's kind of like you don't know exactly. Like, is this a team you trust to give up pieces for and to believe in to work in the playoffs? And we've seen this team be bad and we've seen this team be good. So it'll be up to tree living and management to decide, like, is this the year? Or is this the year that, like, they have a deep playoff push? I'm not going to say this is this the year they win the cup, but is this the year that they can push? Look like they belong in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Either way, I think Timmons is going to find himself the odd one out. Wouldn't be surprised if he uh, is moved on from. Uh, and like I said, Brody, you know, even if we're buyers at the deadline, that just might be a, a cap casualty, right? Like someone who makes a big chunk against the cap, who if you're getting a top four defenseman, that's the guy you move in order to bring them in. So, we'll, I mean, uh, I heard we're still... I heard the Trilliving is still interested in Tanev from Calgary. I mean, I know a lot of Leafs Nation wants Jacob Chikorin after Ottawa saying they're willing to sell him at the deadline. Um, yeah, that's such a weird one for me. Yeah, so interesting, like, eh? Ch- Chikorin and uh, Zadorov. You hear the rumors about Zadorov? Yeah, gonna get I did hear that. Yeah. I'll take wow. him. I don't know if that must be a locker room fit issue. Yeah, that's like, what I that's what I heard it was too. I think it was some report that Friedman, Elliot Friedman, was talking about it. That's wild. Imagine coming in and like a month later, like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Wild. That was the team he wanted to go to, and now they're trying to sell him like two months later. You know what? If you're six foot six, I don't really care what you're like in the locker room. Let me tell <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, if you just absolutely crush bodies on the ice, <laughs> come to the six, baby. We'll 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 take care of six, you. Six in the six. Yeah, 
why not <laughs> doesn't get much better than that well only time will tell as they say uh but before we know what the Leafs will do at the trade deadline and even before they get a chance to prove that they deserve to have some pieces brought in uh it's all-star weekend are you guys looking forward to any part of this or is it just going to be usual kind of cool yay I'm sure the kids really love that let's get back to hockey I'm going to the draft tomorrow this guy's going to the draft yeah that and honestly the draft is the most exciting part like yes 100% agreed yeah, I remember excited. watching the years of like Kessel going last and then Ovechkin be <laughs> wanting to go last and like no one draft me so I can get a car. Like that well, was they hilarious. Dude, they have odds already. They have odds already on the betting ads on the yeah. betting apps about who's oh, gonna be bet. drafted first. I think Willie has the number one odds because obviously I think Matthews' team goes first and is has it announced that Matthews is first? Well, if Willie's up there at number one, I, I bet you doubt Matthews it. doesn't take him. That'd be really funny. That would be what really funny. <laughs> Imagine you play like draft past or not. Well, I mean, to oh be fair, my I, gosh. I would, <laughs> if, I would draft, if he drafts a Bruin, oh, to There's be fair, no Pasternak's, never a, Pasternak's never a bad pick anyways. I say Matthews Jeez. just gives Bieber the reins and lets him do what he wants. Bieber's going to pick Mitch. Yeah, he's going to pick Marner first. <laughs> It'd be kind of like funny goodness. to see them play against each other. It's okay. Smartest guy there's McKinnon and McCarr having Tate McCray as their assist, as their uh, celebrity <laughs> captain. <laughs> They're big Gen- pop music fans. Jeez, geniuses in the making. <laughs> well, after the All Star festivities, like we said earlier, the Leafs don't play um, until February fifth. I wrote down, yeah, that is Monday, so it's not a week. It's actually less than a week. I was mistaken. Uh, but it seems like a while just because there's so much in between. Uh, but two games that the Leafs will play until we record next. So we have Monday, February 5th versus the Islanders. That's obviously at home. And then Wednesday, February 7th versus the Stars. couple of good teams. You know, the Islanders, obviously, Patrick Waugh taking the reins as coach. And the Stars are always dangerous. Uh, maybe we see a Robertson-Robertson game. That's always fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start with predictions. We're all in agreement which is very optimistic. So Zach, as the late joiner, why don't you tell us why? We've all got 2-0. and oh, I think on a high, hopefully the crazy games that we've had in recently in terms of wins uh, continue. I think that's what we're all kind of banking on. Going up against the Islanders, we have bombed out against the Islanders twice in a row, so I don't think it's going to happen three times. Uh, and the Stars, uh, we seem to have good luck against the Stars. I find we... We always have a decently good game. I don't remember the last time we lost to Dallas, actually. But, yeah. I don't either, but I just think it's because we don't play them very much during the year. Mm. Yeah, twice a year. I know I, I know. last year, I don't think we lost. The year before, I think Matthews beat like the Leafs record in Dallas on that overtime goal. Um, Yeah, I don't think you're... Far off, Zach. I feel like there's a way to check, but Paul, what's what's the difference maker here for you? Why why do you have two and zero? I just think the momentum, and as we were talking about before, Ryan, the Islanders are only six points behind us for for the wild card, and this is a very big game. We've lost to them twice this year in overtime, so as Zach said, I don't think it's going to be a third. And yeah, we we always play well against the Stars as well. 
And we just need these two wins, right, to keep the momentum going, to try and get back into a divisional spot for the playoffs. So I think the the boys know what what's at stake here. And coming off the momentum from the All-Star break on a three-game win streak uh, should be 2-0. Yeah, we have not lost to the Stars since 2020. Damn. 2-0-0 the last two years, 1-0-0 so far this year. Uh, looks like in our last in this is an interesting site that it's got like all the decades and stuff. So in the 2020s, we're 2-1-0 at home. In the 2010s against them, we are 6-1-0. Jeez. So they were kind of like a very much in between team for a while though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got 2-0 just because it would be so damn nice if we could have won five games in a row and just upward trajectory from there. It's, I'm asking a lot from this team because they've yep. not proven that they can sustain any sort of good play, but a guy <laughs> can dream. You can. Why can't we? Uh, and yeah, that is it for us on this episode of the podcast. Uh, for those of you listening, thanks for sticking it out. If you're new, like we said, Follow and subscribe on our whatever podcast streaming platform you're using. And uh, thank you for always. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, Fellas heading into the All-Star break and then a couple games of Maple Leafs hockey where when we convene next, hopefully they are five game winners consecutively. Uh, Favorite three words. Um, Keep the momentum. Captain Austin Matthews. (laughs) <laughs> draft Willie first. I was going to say draft Willie last. <laughs> no. Uh, Paul loves McRae. I do. <laughs> Those are my three words. So, so does Nathan. So should yeah. everybody, to be honest. <laughs> All right, folks. Don't forget to take care of the planet, and we'll see you next time on the Original Six Podcast. Say it, Zach. Uh, I was seeing if you were gonna if you were gonna ask me to okay. Do it. Bye.